Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, this is Floyd Taylor. I'd like to speak to you tonight about the subject of Earth. I did a writing on November 20th that you can get download from the website regarding his word, Earth. There's a great misconception of the account of the creation, which i like to review with you in this short uh, audio message. But I'd like to start with something quite different than Genesis 1. I'd like to tell you about a story that's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It occurs in John 6. This is after the Lord had fed the 5,000 people. And this is when he walked on the sea. And he, um, you know, Peter came to him in the water. It was a storm and he would come in the midst of the night. Now, what's very important to understand about this is that this was done and the Lord was doing all the things that he came to was to bear witness to his truth, the words of God. Deuteronomy 18, 18 to 19 John eighteen thirty seven tells us this, verifies it. John three thirty four also verifies that he came to bear witness to the words of God and to show us the way. An entire Bible is a fantastic teaching book on the ways of God and his plan for man and the Godhead and so on. Even the creation testifies to it, as you're going to see. We don't seem to want to understand that fact, and I'm I'm not criticizing, I'm just telling you we were born blind to this because we weren't taught the words and our parents weren't taught the words. So as the Lord showed in John 9, as I recently discussed in a previous message, we were born blind. Blind meaning we didn't understand the words of God that made all things. It tells us in Psalms 33, 4 that all his works are done in truth. It's done by the way of the words because he tells us, in John seventeen seventeen, and he came to bear witness to the truth. He was set apart from the people of the world by the fact that he knew the knowledge of the words, which Paul testifies in Second Corinthians twelve one to four that that's so. The people in paradise are hearing the words that are unlawful for man to speak. They're unlawful for man of the world to speak. But when we become a son of God, and like Jesus said in John ten, when the words come, they're like a when his words, when God's words come to a person, they become like a son of God. So they're not of the world. They're set apart from the world by receiving the knowledge of these words. That's why the Lord says in Zephaniah 3, 8, 9, after the separation judgment, he's going to cause us to speak in the pure language, which is the words of the kingdom of heaven. And these are not the Hebrew language. I've heard that all oh, the Hebrew was the perfect language. Well, it's wonderful language. There's so many truths in it. There's testimony of numbers in it. There's all kinds of things in it. But you can speak his words in any language on earth. God never intended uh, for that to be. And people argue, well, it was uh, the language spoken before the Tower of Babel, but if you go to the chapter before the Tower of Babel, you'll see that the people had many languages prior to that time. So it isn't that they, uh, they have earthly languages. It's the words of God that sets apart. That's what Jesus said. It's, it's the knowledge of truth, the knowledge of God's words that sets apart us from the world. And part of the world is all these languages. 
he tells you that in in, in Revelation seventeen fifteen, he's testifying that the people, you know, the waters, are, the waters are the 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 peoples, the multitudes, the nations, and the tongues, the languages. So he's showing us that the earthly languages are not the pure language of the kingdom of heaven. God's words set us apart, no matter what language you speak, because His words search out the heart and soul of every person. There, God wants all people to come to the knowledge of truth. He didn't say you got to change your language to come to the knowledge of truth. You come to the knowledge of His words set apart. So we're in that time right now. We're in the day of the Lord. We're in the last hour of the night, the last watch of the night, and that is when this story in John six occurs. It's a very important time for us. Because the last half hour of the night, as far as I can discern, from Revelation eighteen or Revelation eight, is when the plagues are upon the people and the people are already set apart, meaning the separation judgment has occurred by that time. So we're very near this time of separation judgment, because the Lord testified that last October twenty thirteen, not fourteen, but twenty thirteen, was the beginning of his hour. And that is the hour when he comes like he did here. He, this is in the last hour, the last watch of the night. He comes to the disciples on the sea. And remember in Revelation seventeen fifteen that we are said that we are all like waters. God says the peoples, the nations, the multitudes, and their languages are the waters. And that's the symbol of that in Revelation 17. So we can understand that he's walking on top of the waters. Why? Because he tells us in Genesis 1, he never changes his ways, and the Spirit of God hovers above the waters. So if you walk out in his words and believe in the words, understand the words, and seek out the knowledge of his words, you can walk on the water. You don't test God, but if God calls you to go forth to do a good work, like Jesus was going across, and he would have passed them by unless they called out. We were in the last watch of the night. He was on the waters walking. He's hovering just like it was in, in Genesis 1. The Spirit of God hovers over the face of the waters. He was walking on the surface of the waters, crossing over the sea, going to where he had to go. And he was the very important thing is, remember, the Spirit of God hovers over the face of the waters. And remember also that all the works of the patriarchs, all the works of the prophets, all the works of everybody who has done good works so that his kingdom may come on earth, and they've prayed that for all these times, that means that the Spirit of God is going to give us the opportunity. The Word of God. He came as the Word. And he was teaching the words and speaking the words, and he came as the Word of God, and he walked over top of the waters. In other words, the Spirit of God is hovering now. It is our job to call out to him to receive the knowledge of his words. Peter said, Can I come to you? Can I do what you're doing? Can I walk on the water as you are? And he walked out on faith. Faith comes by hearing the word. Jesus says, come. He heard the word and he came. If When he started looking at the world, he started sinking. But see, you walk out on the spirit of truth, on the knowledge of his words, because from the very beginning in Genesis 1, and God can't change his ways, there is a promise. And that promise is that the spirit, and Jesus tells you in John 6, 63, that his words are spirit and life. And he tells you that his blood is life and life is the eternal life. So he's saying that it'll get for all eternity. In other words, if you walk out in the spirit and you're walking out in his words, you're walking out in the promise of the words that never end because his words are never ending. Now, important to this is understanding the fact that if the Lord is walking out on the waters and we call to him and he tells us to come, then we can go. 
If the Lord, if we ask him if we can come and he says yes, like David when he wanted to go after those armies that had taken his families and all their possessions, he asked the Lord, should they go? And the Lord said yes. He asked him if they defeat them and he said, yes, would we get the things? And he said, yes, they get all things back. See, then he walked down to faith. They ran for three days and they entered immediately a fight for 24 hours. And they won. And they got back everything. See, the, the Lord, when he gives you a command like that and you have the power, you're going to do it. Now, I want to show you something else here in the same story. That's very important. I've just explained to you Jesus walking on the waters and it is a word of God from the beginning that if you have your words in it, and you call out to him if it's necessary to get to there to understand. And understand that Peter was doing it that time to bear witness to the truth. Bear witness to the Lord that he could walk out like him. Because Jesus said, follow me. And he told him in John fifteen seven that if you follow me, if you abide in my way, if you abide in my words, whatever you desire be done for you. And the Lord, uh, and we're doing it in the will of God. So he walked out on the waters. But when he looked around to the sea and the storm and the world... All of a sudden, he lost that ability, and Jesus reached out immediately and pulled him up out of the water. Now, the other factor of this, as you'll see very interesting, is that the Lord comes to them, and in verse 21, it's a very important thing. Uh, let me just let me read from 19 to 21 in, Revelation, or in John 6. It says, So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And they were afraid. And, but he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. In other words, he's walking out on the spirit of the water, and the spirit of God is always hovering above the waters. Always hovering above the waters. He can lift you up away from the troubles of the waters, troubles of the people. He can lift you up. He'll set you apart in his kingdom at this time. But listen to what happened here. Do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into their boat. And immediately, get that word, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. It's very important to understand it, and that's where we go back to creation account. Because what you're going to see in a creation account is that the Lord is calling us to understand the dry land. Now, we have misunderstood the Genesis account of creation. It's far greater than any of us give it credit for. If you understand his words and the ways of his words and the works of God, which are always done in the way of truth, which is the word of God, as Jesus testifies in John seventeen seventeen, and it's the words of God that he set himself apart from those of the world by, John seventeen eighteen nineteen. 18, 19. Um, so John seventeen eighteen to 19, he said that, that he was set apart by the world by that, and we are sent as he was sent. So we're sent with the words if we will receive them. We have not received these words. We didn't have them taught to us because our parents, the preachers before our parents, didn't know the words and they haven't known them since the time of the apostles. It was lost shortly thereafter. And remember, throughout the Bible, the history of the Bible shows God would be, uh, introduce his words and they'd lose it. He'd introduce his words and they'd lose it. He kept raising up prophet after prophet, king after king, and he would give the words and they would lose it. Jesus came, he gave it to the disciples, uh, they received it, and after, you know, it says in Luke 24, 44, and 45, that after he returned from the Father, he says, these are the words I spoke to you while I was with you, 
and then he opened the understanding of the scriptures to them. They couldn't understand the scriptures until they had the words. You can't understand Genesis 1 until you receive the knowledge of the words and you grow in knowledge because it doesn't come in a download. Isaiah 28, 9-14. If you keep digging, you'll get to the answer and you'll begin to understand the greatness of his words. Now, if you go to Genesis, the story of this, you'll begin to see this walk out true. Notice what he says in the very beginning. He says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, wait a minute. You know that he began, and he says, the heavens and the earth. But yet, when did he call the dry land earth? In Genesis 10. Do you see this? He says in Genesis 1, 9 to 10, it says, Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth. And the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Understand, here's where you're seeing earth, but yet he mentions it in Genesis 1.1. So we're talking about a name. What is a name? When you, God gives a name to something, he's given it a work to do. We see that even in when the angel came and spoke to uh, John, uh, Joseph, uh, the Lord's Jesus' earthly father. He spoke to him and said, you're going to call him the name uh, Jesus, because he's going to be the salvation of man. You know, I, I don't remember the exact wording there, but that's the point of it. And it was even uh, said in, in the Old Testament that it's uh, Emmanuel. He'll call him Emmanuel. What is that? God with us. So these names that he's given are called the work of the kingdom that that person's going to do. So it, God doesn't change his way. So we can go back and understand when he calls something by a name, in Genesis 1, he's given it the kingdom work that it's to do. So here you have dry land, but he gave it a name. Its name is earth. And that means it's got a work to do. Now, you begin to understand as he's doing this, and what is earth, the meaning of earth? You go into the Bible and you find out the name and the meaning of earth is the soil, the ground, just the particles. It, it's all the particles put together. And understand that the Lord is showing us uh, these particles, and let's go back and look at where they're coming from. You know, you'll understand this, what I'm about to tell you, when you understand some of the science and technology of the world. You've seen, uh, it was introduced like in March uh, 2009, there was announcements on television announced that they had this rocket system that could shoot down missiles, nuclear missiles that's coming in. And it, they made a very interesting announcement and something I'd known uh, and talked about much of the times in, in the 1990s and 2000. People wouldn't listen, but here now it comes out in the news. And what they're saying is, in front of the missile that they launch, it sends out a pulsing of frequencies that cause the particles that are in front of the missile to be moved out of the way so it creates a vacuum for the missile to go through. So it becomes extremely fast and it can outspeed the missiles coming in. So what you've done is you've created a vacuum in space. It kind of sucks that missile through, so it adds to the speed. Now, they've got many aircraft that they're building on Mars and the moon. I've told people that, and they don't want to believe it, but they see them all the time. They see the witness of them all the time. They see the craft that they're building there because they can build structures much bigger up there and make it out of diamond crystal formations, which means it's extremely strong. It's stronger than steel. They've had these craft come into the Earth, uh, that they brought in and intentionally banged them into the earth, and they just bounce. You know, and then they take them apart and uh, very quickly. You, if a plane crashed, you couldn't take it apart quickly. They take it apart, assemble it in three trucks, and they drive it off. 
after it's crashing at mock speeds into the earth. That tells you the strength of the structure of these craft that they can build, and you've seen them. This is Floyd. I'm adding a correction into this tape because this audio, because I have learned that the people who have uh, explained to me about the facilities on Mars and the moon are lying. The craft are actually true, and you've seen them in the skies and so forth. And where they're building them is the question. But they have definitely, from what I understand now, were not built in space. They are built here on the Earth somewhere. So I wanted to add this correction. It is my error. I believe people that are very high placed uh, who have made these statements. But it's just like all the astronauts who are lying because people have taken and tried to get them to swear on a Bible that uh, they have told the truth that they have gone into space and they will not do it. They will not put their hand on the Bible and swear that they've been there. It, it's a it's a gigantic hoax. But you cannot, uh, the, the fact that the aircraft are seen and have been seen, we've got videos of it, that is true. So these craft are real, but they're building them here on the earth in some place where they're able to build these um, terrific structures that make these craft. And they've built these very large craft that have been actually physically seen over the city of Phoenix and or in Arizona uh, back in the 2000s, early 2000s. So they've had these, and they are real. And it's what mistaken what I've made in this audio tape. I'm now correcting because I was totally baffled by it is the fact that these are not made uh, on Mars and Moon. And now I understand that we cannot, we may not have even traveled into space, but we cannot deny the craft. The craft are seen, there's thousands of them, and uh, people have seen them, but they're building them somewhere on this earth. And I just wanted to correct that and add this into this tape. I'm very sorry uh, for my statement, but I was believing people are very high placed in this system, world system. And they were uh, misguiding me just like they misguide everybody uh, about the fact that the earth is round. It's not round. It's flat. I now know, now understand this. So I apologize to this. Uh, but the fact that the craft are built, and they've used these particles to do it, uh, enables you to understand this part is very real. And the fact that these people have lied um, so uh, well over such a long period of time and deceived the public and spent you know literally billions of dollars to hide this um, just falsehood really shows you the truth and I didn't want to remove this from the audio I wanted to correct it in this audio so that you understand that I was totally deceived by that but it cannot deny the fact that these craft are seen uh, by many and uh, I've seen them uh, as well but I was talking to people in the very high levels of this world system, and that is what they explained to me at that time. So I apologize to that. I now know better and differently than that. But it's a hoax that's been played on all the public and all the citizens of the world at this time. And we need to get this into correction. Thank you. Well, they have the skin of these things is actually diamond crystal, but that also means it could be LED, so they can cause these things to change colors. They're going to, I believe, use these things. Uh, my understanding is they'll use them as making them look like asteroids coming in because they can change the color of the thing. And if you ever seen the Japanese cops with their LED flashlights where they can actually, you know, swing them back and forth and these lights are on them like in a string, upward and downward string, 
and they pull some so it leaves a word in the air and you'll see the word help or stop or whatever in the air well that's because the LED leaves a trace light behind it in other words your eyes think that there's light there so your eyes remember that so people looking up and they'll see this these craft coming in they could see it and and it would be like a fireball coming in with a long tail of fire because it, to their eyes it's going that fast but it's pulsing LEDs pulsing so it looks like there's a fire trail they can do this with craft to make it look like that that's something they can do let's just put it that way now what's important though is these craft in any direction they go they send out a pulse and they move the particles I had a guy that worked for DARPA on the development of this that testified to me, to me before he died. Uh, is years before he died, more than 10 years before he died, he testified of this. But I also understood, and I've uh, even had uh, proposals that I made to make craft like this, and they didn't want to allow it to be made. Um, they understand th- this craft and this technology. They don't want it out in the public. But I'll tell you something, it's, it's very interesting. The Bible itself testifies to this. People don't understand that nothing that they can do in science can match the knowledge of the words. Consider the fact that Jesus took the 5,000, the feeding of the 5,000, the fish in the basket. It kept multiplying. It kept multiplying. Where did it come from? Where did particles come from? Strictly by the word, it'll come. Now, consider, you'll see this as we go through the creation account here. Because kind of follow this concept. You have the waters in Genesis 1. He said, let them, uh, the waters were on the earth. He, he had them come on the earth, and the Spirit of God hovered above them. And the Spirit of God, what, how does the Spirit of God work? It works by its words. And they divided the waters by light and darkness. And he called the light good. Now, understand what he's saying in there is there's particles that can be utilized for good works. And when you go down, the next thing he does is he separates, in day two, he separates the firmament in the midst of the waters. And he tells you right there that he says that he divides the waters that are above the firmament from below the firmament. So not only is it describing the physical shape of the firmament, it's also explaining to you that there's laws built into the walls of the firmament for its purpose is to divide the waters, which he tells us in Revelation seventeen fifteen, is either us, the multiples, nations, and tongues. So he's going to divide the work of the firmament, which he tells you. He, he even calls the firmament heaven. Well, the firmament is the walls of the heavens. David explains this very clearly. And you can go to Psalms 148 and others, the heaven of heavens and so on. So there's more than one heaven. He tells you, in, and Paul tells you that the paradise is the third heaven. See, earth was the first one, and then you have the, the, the dominion of Satan and them came because they were, they were actually created after uh, man was put in the earth, particles of man were put in the earth. So they're, they're in the second, uh, they were in the second heaven. They've been cast out of the second heaven now down to the earth because the day of the Lord could not start until they'd been cast out as according to Revelation 12. So you have the per, um, paradise, which is the heaven directly underneath God's heaven of the throne. And then you have paradise, which is third heaven. Uh, so God's is really the fourth. And why is that? It's the root of truth. And, and so you go down and uh, Satan is in the second heaven. What's he trying to do? He's trying to overcome the Lord. What's the number of the Lord? It is that. It's to build the wall. It, his name is the rock. And the firmament is, is like a cast iron uh, mirror. It's uh, like a rocking, 
like a rock. But it, it, the Lord tells us in Job, it's like a cast iron mirror. So you got a hard, firm firmament. There's walls of the heavens. You know, um, I can't remember his name right now, but there, there was a famous, um, back in like 300 and something A.D., there was a famous guy that um, he counterdict, counterdicted uh, uh, Paul. Paul said that the wall, there's walls that are firm and they're hard. And he mocked him saying, oh, that can't be. Because we're smarter than that now. We know that that's not possible. I'm sorry. There's firmament. I happen to know this for a fact because when I was doing the writings, the Lord actually took me one night to the walls of the firmament. And I stood in the walls and he showed me the earth's creation at the beginning is just like it says in Genesis 1. So he bore witness to it, but that was after I had the Lord had guided me through these scriptures to understand this knowledge. And then he took me to confirm it. It's important to understand that the Bible's statement of creation is absolutely correct, absolutely infallible. The Lord could have spoken forth the creation with one word. All his works are in truth. Why didn't he just say truth? Everything would be done. God is a teaching God, and knowledge can't come in a download. So he's not going to make the creation in one word. He's going to do it over a period of time, and he's going to do it in his ways that never change. And he tells you that his ways is to do it over a period of seven as he shows you in Genesis 1. Seven angels always stand before him and so on. So we know that this is what is going on in the story. Now, the firmament is called something important. It says that, that if you go to, um, let's go to Genesis 1, 6 to 8, and I'll just read about the firmament. It says, Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the water, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And then he goes, and God called the firmament heaven. Here we go again. Just like earth, heaven is a name. In other words, the name meaning the work that it's given to do. Did you catch that? The dry land earth. Earth is very important because we are part of the earth. And the Lord is calling us to come to dry land. I showed you in this thing in the middle of the night. He steps in our boat and what happens? They're immediately on the dry land. Immediately to the earth. We were told in Genesis 2 that our job is to till the earth. He didn't say, walk on the sea, for example. The Lord said, till the earth. And the purpose of that is to put the good works in. As you go back and you see that, now I've just explained to you that the, the firmament had a work to do. Its job is to bring us to the purpose of heaven. In other words, to make known the truth. It's a wall. Just like the firm, the, the walls of the of the uh, great city has all the the twelve stones of as it rises up, the foundations built on those twelve layers of stone, on the words given to the twelve tribes. I'm going to go over in a, another message the twelve blessings of the uh, tribes in Genesis 49 and and Deuteronomy 33, so you can understand that. But here you go with the the foundation. Now, let me back up because maybe I got you a little bit confused. Let me go back up to Genesis 1 and just quickly go through that so you can get an idea of what's going on here. It says, uh, Genesis 1, 1 to 5, this is day one of creation. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Notice the heavens and the earth. So he's not just talking about the firmament, called it heaven. That means he gave the work of the firmament the job of bringing us, guiding us to heaven. And he even tells us that on day four when he puts the light. And what is light? Light is his words. The entrance of his words gives light, Psalms 119, 130, and gives understanding to the simple. 
the simple can even be rocks, can be the ferment, can be a bread, of the fish in a basket, so on. So you'll catch on what I'm going to say about that in a second when you begin to understand what I'm saying. Remember that the, the, the law of the scientist that's moving the particles is that there's a basic law of science, and, and the government knows it, they won't teach it to the people, that every particle has its own particular frequency assigned by God. They found it, but God created it and assigned it to every kind of particle. Gold has its own frequency, salt, and so on. All the particles have a specific frequency, and when you address that frequency to a particle, it will react. And if you address it in a pattern, it will go to different places. In other words, you can cause them to be arranged in a different format. You can send this frequency out to a, on the sides of it, like what they're doing, and they're drawing the particles away from the craft, drawing the air and making it fine so it creates like a bubble in the air and it flies through this and there's no resistance. So it goes at extreme Mach speeds and like it's just flying through a bubble. That is calling those particles out of the way. And that's what they do. And I'm telling you, this was verified. You can understand it because the missile system that they talked about back in 2009 in the open news was really, that is what it's doing. But this is what these plane, the planes that they've been creating, uh, they don't tell you about. They call them UFOs and so on. That's what they've been doing for years. So, And, and DARPA created that. And so you understand that, that this is uh, being done, but if you can understand that those particles can be caused to be moved by frequency, you should be able to understand that if there's a greater law above our laws of frequencies... Then and God's word is that law. God's set apart holy words are higher than the laws of science that we know that are just with things like frequency or energy. And when you talk to people in the government, they're going to tell you the two most powerful things are frequency and energy. That's wrong. It's not that. The highest law of all science is the words of God plus authority. In other words, the Spirit of God is going to do in those particles, just like it says in John fifteen seven, which is the highest law of God. If you follow in His ways, other if you speak, if you know the words of God and the promises that are in them, and then you abide in His words, which have authority over all things, then what you desire is going to be done for you. Therefore, that law is higher than any law of science that might be made by man, whether it's frequency and energy or whatever. So you have to understand that those laws are done. Jesus, you know, looked up to heaven. Why do you look up to heaven? The firmament. What's its work? The work is to draw us to heaven. He goes the next day in John 6. He's telling the people there that you didn't follow me because of the miracle you saw. You followed me because of the bread you ate to your full. He blessed that bread. It put the word of God in that bread, but the bread means instruction. And when they had the full of instruction, the desire for instruction, that's what, when you eat the bread, it's causing that desire for instruction. When you ate it to the full, they couldn't stand it. They had to go find him to learn more knowledge. That is the work of the bread. It's going to do what he desired. And he told them that's why they came. It wasn't the miracle they saw that caused him to come. It was that bread, that instruction, that word of God bread that caused them to come. Because the promise of that bread is that when you give it in the way of the word, it's going to have its reward. Therefore, when we know that's going to happen, in other words, the words will never fail. The Lord says in Isaiah fifty-five eleven, every word that God sends out, his holy words, will never come back to him void. 
So we understand that his words are higher than the laws of science of man, meaning any missile, any bullet, any anything has no power or authority higher than the law of God's words. Because whatever they are sent to do, they will do. That means it isn't frequency and energy that's the highest scientific laws the world is trying to tell you. It's actually the law of his words. And, you know, what I told you here is by a basic law of God, it tells you in Genesis 1, and let me read it on, because I don't think I actually read it to you. Um, Let me read it right now, and then we can talk about a little bit more about the particles. It says this. I'll go back to Genesis 1-1 again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Now understand, he's building the creation in the way of the Lord. And the Lord said that all men have to be tested. You know, that, that was the idea of making a creation is to create a people who would choose God and choose his knowledge and choose his truth and come to him. So when he did in the beginning is he had the waters and what was in the waters. Obviously, what was in the waters was all the particles, because in Genesis day three, he calls the particles out and creates the firmament. I mean, it creates the earth inside the firmament. In day two, he creates the firmament in the waters and creates a great expanse inside the firmament. And waters were above and below. But he also, meaning that all the particles, is that's what the heaven's going to do. It's going to separate. So when you bring particles like he formed the earth and put it into creation, into the firmament first, and he tells you very clearly that the earth was the very first thing formed in the creation. And go back to this thing because he tells you in earth, what I just read to you was the earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. Now, the deep, I've explained in that writing, and I encourage you to get that writing from November 20th about the earth. You'll see the design of the entire creation is explained in the Bible, and you will see what we're talking about here. But if you go back and say the earth was without form, in other words, the particles that were going to make up the earth were not filled into the earth, and they did not have the word. And this is why God says the earth must be tilled by man. Because we have been given the words, Isaiah fifty-one sixteen tells us that prior to planting the heavens, prior to putting the stars in place, prior to putting the sun in place, prior to putting the moon in place, and all the galaxies and universes, prior to doing any of that, God plant, gave us his words and put them in our mouth. And he tells us in Psalms one thirty-nine fifteen to 16 that indeed he knew our substance before they were yet put together. In other words, he knew them back in um, Genesis 1. That's why he says we are the dust of the earth. In Genesis 1, he's saying the heavens and the earth. He's saying all the particles were made, but they weren't formed. And he didn't have words at that time. Because he had not said the trick word there, the magic word. The magic word is let there be light. Go to Psalms 119.30. The entrance of his words gives light. So he didn't give there the words that's why it says it's void and without form there was the particles and he said darkness was on the face of the deep he took those particles and he set aside and 
and blessed and made holy, just like he blessed the food and it was multiplied to the people in the baskets and, mul- and fulfilled all its need. Well, he did the same thing here. He has the waters, the face of the deep. And the, what, he, what did he do with it? He caused it to be divided into particles for his plans for light and his plans for darkness. Paul tells us in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 13, 1 to 11, he tells us that we are either of the light and the day, or we are of the darkness and the night. It's very important for us to understand this. So he, he's saying that the way of darkness, the way of evil, is the, is the, the, the night. And so that's what he called here. It's work. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. That's why we're in the time of the night right now, and he's going to do the separation judgment. He can't change his ways, so he's doing it in that way. And so we're being separated in the night. We must choose. His kingdom will be chosen in this time now. We must come out and choose his kingdom over the earth and cause his kingdom to come on earth, like it says in Joel 2, 12 to 20. Or we're going to be of the darkness. He's going to set us apart, and we're going to be punished. Because that's what happens to those who seek the darkness. But those who get the light, what's going to happen with them? They're going to be enabled to be purified so they can receive the white garment at the inspection that enables us to put on the fine linen, the righteous acts of the saints, Revelation 19, 7 and 8, so that we can shine, as he tells us in Daniel 12, 1 to 3. We must be refined and made spotless, he tells us in Ephesians 5, 25 to 27, so that he can come and take us up. Before the rapture, we must go through this process. He must set apart the world so that he can put a place for us that we can be refined because knowledge doesn't come to download. We must overcome the world because we are that chosen generation that must overcome it. We must give the final defeat to Satan. Satan's already been kicked out of the second heaven, but now he must be defeated on earth and the kingdom of God must come forth on earth in us. There will be a temple. It will be protected by his angels. There won't be the, the Antichrist putting his thing in that temple. That's not going to happen this time. It happened before. But what's going to happen at this time, he's going to have his own temple. He's already defiled our temple. What we don't understand is that when we were born, the world system took our record of birth and, and made it their own person. And we are treated, and even IRS tax, law, tax laws shows that a child is considered a dead ceased person and not a person they're considered dead so all their assets and everything they're going to do belongs to the state and they're legally issuing money against that and so on I don't want to go into that, it would take forever to explain it but I just want to get you this basic concept of the fact that in Genesis 1 we have this you're having this work done People are talking about the light being in a previous earth and all these other things, and the light of the firmament is actually our ionosphere. That's nothing compared to God. The firmament has all the galaxies in it and everything, and there is a purpose to all of them. Uh, I'll go through that another time because I'm not going to go through Genesis uh, the fourth day right now. I just want you to get this concept. This concept is very important. And notice that also the Lord says, so the evening and the morning were the first day. Why does he say that? Because there's there's afternoon, and there there is morning, you know, of course, and 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 there's uh, you know, there's the night, and there is uh, um, the afternoon. Uh, he you know the, he says evening and morning, and it's it's very important that way. But you know that there's a night and there's also an afternoon. Well, why does he say that? The reason is in the evening time there's always light. 
Zechariah 14.7 says, In the day of the Lord, the time we're in now, there will be light. Why is that? Because it's saying that that is the beginning. What we should have been looking for was the entrance of the knowledge of his words, which gives light. Psalms 119.130. Hosea 6.5 says it's our judgment. The sealed judgments begin with what? Light. Our judgments come like light. So he's telling us it's the entrance of the words we've been looking for. Paul confirms that in Hebrews 10, 26 to 27, but the churches and everybody wants to deny it. Why? The Lord told us in Luke 21, 34, 36, we'd all be caught in a snare. We were all born blind. Our parents didn't know this, and the, and the priests and pastors before that didn't know it because they didn't have the language. The Lord said it wouldn't come until the day of the, of the Lord. But it begins the day of the Lord. And we're already in the night of the day of the Lord. The Lord has testified to all this in multiples of prophecies. So we know that the entrance of his words is here, and it's our re- responsibility to seek his words. It, it, you know, it's just like Jesus on this water. He's walking by over the face of the water, but he will not answer you unless you call out for him. And he is what? He's the word. He's the word. It tells us that in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit are one. First John 5, 7. So understand that in the kingdom of heaven, you cannot have the kingdom of heaven come unless you receive his words. It tells us in John eight forty seven that if we do not receive his words, we don't hear the words of God, we're not of God. If you're trying to be a son of God, to receive the knowledge of the words that have power and authority over all the science laws of man, of all the weapons of man, of all the bullets, all the politics, all the people of man, all the devils, all those things. You know, how did the, the angels overcome Satan and his powers? Because by the word they are overcome. The, Satan has no truth in him. He cannot stand in the word. And those who have the words, you just read uh, Revelation 12. Uh, 15 to 17, it tells you that if you have the words, which is what the wisdom of God, the woman, is always speaking out, then what are you going to have? You're going to have the words that overcome the devil. And what happens? He runs from them. He goes and tells, he goes after those people who have heard about the words. He says, those who have the testimony of Jesus, he goes after them. But they're not sons of God because they did not take and become doers of those words. They did not seek out the knowledge of truth. And he goes after those that disbelieve in Jesus you know, there's people that believe in Jesus and the blood, but they don't have any clue of what that blood did. But when the words are open and God does all his works with the words, it is our responsibility to increase in knowledge. It tells us in John Daniel 12:4 that when the words are open, knowledge shall increase. In other words, it is there to increase in, but if we don't want to increase in it, we're not going to increase in it. Now back to Genesis 1. I've told you now that the creation in day one, what did God do? He separated the particles that were in the waters. And what's he do now? He goes and he says, let the firmament be in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And if you go and look at the creation design, the pattern of it, as explained from the Bible that I've shown in the books, like a testimony of numbers and this writing called Earth, that you can see it'll be on the first column on the right of the front page of any of the two websites, 153wordsofgod.com and hispurelanguage.com. It's about fourth, fifth, sixth writing down. Uh, if you on that, uh, you see they're in pink or like a um, kind of a reddish color uh, writing. Uh, but just look at the ones on the right there and you'll see his word earth and you'll see the drawings in there. Also, the word mountain has these drawings in it. You can see it too because the firmament is God's holy mountain. And the firmament has all three heavens within it, plus God is the capstone at the top. His throne sets above it. So there's four heavens, and uh, the work is to get us to that heaven. What does the firmament do that? If the words, if we don't hear the words of God, 
then we're not of God, so it can't get us to heaven, so it's doing it by the words. And that's what happens in the first part of uh, day four. You see that the firmament, let there be lights in the firmament. In other words, let the words of God be in the firmament, because that's how it does its work. And it says there, it'll be for judging the people. It'll be for signs and so forth, and also to divide the light and the darkness. And what are the light and the darkness? First Thessalonians 5, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 tells us through Paul that we are that. So he's dividing us by the works that we do and by our ability to hear. How do we have faith? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. He tells us in Psalms 33, 4, that his words are truth. He tells us in Psalms 119, 160, that all the entirety of his word is truth. And then he goes and says in Psalms 119, 142, that his truth is law. In other words, all his words could never be broken, Isaiah 55, 11. When he sends them out, they're going to come back and do what they were told to do. If you believe in his words, like when he told um, uh, Peter to come, and Peter came, and what happened? In other words, what the word come is meaning is anything that God gives you an instruction to, if you believe in it by faith, you're going to accomplish it. So if they've given you a work to do and you believe that that work is given you to do, then if you focus just on that and not on the things of the world, you're going to accomplish that work because God will get you there. And that's what he's saying. Just focus on that and do that work. Jesus did that when he was on earth. And he says, I set myself apart by truth. That's how I was sanctified. Sanctified means set apart from the world and made holy. What is holy? You cannot be holy unless you receive something holy. What are his words of God? If the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit are one, it means these words are holy. The Word of God is holy. So we can understand that. Now we, we, we know here in um, firmament, the midst of the waters, divide the waters from the waters. So the firmament, which is called heaven, meaning it's going to do the work of dividing it by heaven. It's going to cast out those from the heavens that are evil or wicked or complacent. They're going to be cast out, and the prisons of God are below the heavens. I've explained that in the writings. Please look at them, and you'll be able to understand what I'm telling you. So what you're seeing here is that. Now, understand that if you have the particles in the waters and the Lord is showing you right here that he can separate them and make something hard. Do you understand? He said, let the firmament be in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. But he tells you in the beginning of the heavens and the earth were created and how did he do it? He put the particles into the waters and then he drew them out and caused them hard. And we get to see this even more when you go to the explanation of the earth. Now it says in Genesis 1, 9 to 13, it says, Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. So the work of God over the entire time, because he can't change his way, his work is to separate us from the rest of the world and let us come to dry land. Get What is dry land? It's The earth is this thing of soil and particles, and it's our flesh. You know, and our bones and so on. What he, what he's, but what he's talking about here is get rid of all the stuff of the world, and come out to him. And he showed you in this thing of the way of that. It's just discussing the way of God, and that's because when he entered that boat, here you got a wood sailed boat. I don't care how many miles out from shore you are, but immediately they're on shore. You got men in robes, sandals, wood wood boat, uh, you know, cloth sails, and it goes supersonic. Did you catch that? Immediately it was on shore. You can't do that with a Ferrari. 
You can't do that with, with a Formula One race car. Immediately it was on Earth. You can't do that with the fastest jets we have. Immediately it was on Earth. You can't beat that. See, that's the Word of God. The Word of God is He was there showing them His way of the night, what He's willing to do. In other words, when in the midst of the troubles that we're in right now, if we call upon His words, He'll put us on a dry land. Because he tells us to come to the dry land. Don't stay on the waters. Don't stay with the people. Separate yourself from them. Revelation 18, 3 and 4 tells us, do not associate with these leaders who are walking in fornication with the, with the harlot, which even the leader of Israel who's in charge of the Mossad, which now the evidence is very clear, the Mossad has been part of developing ISIS, now Qaeda, and all that, along with the USDHS. USA's DHS and Black Ops and you know all these private companies doing this, the contractors of the, the government. These leaders are all fornicating against us. I saw a plan that the Jewish 50 had which shows that they're going to have a mosque and a temple built together. That's their plan. It's not to, to honor God. You cannot have a mosque and God's new temple on the same land that God told us to build his temple per the instructions in Ezekiel. You cannot do it. It's against the will of God. It will not happen. So that is going to be destroyed. And you can't do do what they're doing. The, the tribes aren't even allowed to come back. They only want certain tribes back in Israel. I'll stop there because and, and, that story could go on forever. But I, I want to get you the concept here that the earth, he's gathering us together into one place. So we also know let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. So he's telling us that even in the day of the Lord that we're in now, there'll be Goshen areas. Because what he's saying to us, even in Joel two twelve to 20, is that we are to be separated from the world. In other words, he said, gather together his elect, those with the words. Call a sacred assembly, meaning only those with the holy word within them. Well, those who believe in God and believe his words are true. They will be the ones set apart. What's he say to them? He says that we gather together and the priests should come off the porches and so on because they don't know the knowledge and cry out to God to save his people. They would be wise to wash the feet of these people with water. Because what's the water do? It separates the light and the darkness. And you want these people separated under the light. So you want to walk in the path of of, of the righteousness. So when you're doing it, you, you, you wash their feet and say, may you walk in the light of truth, because all of God's good works are done that way. He says the entrance of his words gives light. So you want the truth of God, not the world, and you want the light to enter them. So when you do this, all right, what he's saying is cry out to the Lord and say, why should these people fail? They've come to you, Lord, and they did not have knowledge, and they were born blind. Just like you say, Lord. Luke twenty-one thirty-four to 36 tells us that all men on the earth are caught in a snare. In John 9, 4, 5, he told us that when he healed that blind man, he was showing us the works of the night. He says, because the night is coming when no one can work. In other words, if we don't come out now, when the separation judgment comes, where the, the word has gone out, the light has gone out. And the Lord tells us in Matthew seven twenty-one to 23, that even if you cast out demons, if you called upon his name, any of those things you think is going to save you, if you're lawless, you will be cast out from him. Lawless. Psalms one nineteen one forty two. His law is truth. What is his truth? His words. God's words, not your words. He tells you in Isaiah fifty eight, thirteen, fourteen, don't teach your words on my Sabbath day, teach mine. Don't teach your ways on my Sabbath day, teach mine. 
He's telling us his words. Jesus came into the world to bear witness to the truth, and nobody heard his testimony, John 3.32. We need to understand that even the disciples who walked with him ran from him the last night because they did not have the knowledge of the power of the truth. Because if they understood this, they could understand that they could overcome the world at that time. One sword, one word at that time, one man with enough word in him could separate the distance of the world at that time. Jesus told him, take a sword, just one's enough. But they used it in the way of the world. He chopped the ear off the soldier. If he'd had the faith of the words at that time, a revival would have broke out that would have changed all of history. God has always wanted to intervene and stop this plan and go on with his kingdom building on the earth because the whole goal was to get us to the kingdom. Unfortunately, he has to set parameters. Unfortunately, we would not hear him the whole time of the day of the Lord, which has been 12 years now. We would not hear him. And therefore, we're coming to a point where he has to force us to do it. He tries to pull us out. He's been trying and calling. And time after time, I hear the prophetic word spoken. Get the words of wisdom that you do not know. Get the knowledge of truth. Get my words. He's been saying that for 12 years in churches. And none of them want to get it. None of them want to seek out the knowledge of his truth so they can really understand the ways of his words. And I'm speaking to you tonight very clearly about some things. And I pray that you'll listen to this over and over until you get it in your mind. God's words have authority over all things. You need to understand that his words have more power and have more authority than all of the science and all the things you're up against in the world. You don't need to worry about their governments. God says that his desire is what? Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the land, dry land, appear. The firmament has never changed its work. And what is its work? Let the firmament be in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Those who are going upward to the heaven and those going out to God's prisons. It will do that work. The heavens are filled with his words. Jesus looked up to the heavens and blessed the food and broke it and gave it to the people. And it multiplied. It fed the nasses that they needed. You know, it's on the third day. It's very important to understand that God has laws about the third day. The third day is a time where God will answer. Why will he answer? He can't change his ways. On the Genesis 1, 9 and 13, let's read on. You'll see something. It says, And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herbs that yield seed, and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. And understand that this stuff didn't come forward out of the earth until when? Until after the seventh day. But you have to understand, this is the third day of work here, and God is doing that work. So what God is showing us is Genesis 1 through 6 is the ways of his works. And Genesis, um, the, I mean, uh, Genesis, the, the, the first day of creation through the sixth day of creation. And the seventh day of creation, he's creating strength by remembering his works. You, you become totally refined and you begin to understand God more. And that, that day was sanctified as holy. It means a day that we can get the understanding of God. And yet we don't even worship on his Sabbath day. I don't care where people say it's the seventh day of the week. It's not that. It is the day God appointed to it, and it goes on the lunar solar calendar basis. You have a new moon day that's separate from the weeks, and you have a transition day. People say, no, no, no. 
But I understand you something. That day, that day, that calendar, as far as it can be seen from the scriptures, is a very important day. It's, a, it's like a double Sabbath, a double moon, new moon day. It prepares you for that day, but it reminds you of the way of the works of the Lord. So you can divide the year into six parts as well. Did you catch that? There, there's works that can be done. These days are provided for a teaching tool. These days are provided for us to take advantage of. And there's things that can occur on those days. So coming back to this again, what you see on the third day is what? He brings forth food. And the Lord said, these people follow me for three days. I have passion on them. He can't change his ways. It's a day that he will provide the seed. He'll put it in the earth. Who is the earth? We are the particles he put into the earth. We were put together here. He says in Psalms 139, 15 to 16, that we were woven together in the earth before there was anything above, before they were formed in the womb. So here is the earth. So we are already prepared. Before God sets us apart into his kingdom and refines us, if we gather together and seek the knowledge of truth of his words, you're going to have the ability. The Lord is going to provide for those people on the third day. Now, please understand that the science of man, uh, like I told you, you could take a tank and, I've, um, and fill it with water. And if you knew the frequencies of the particles, you could tri- you know, triangulate that pattern into this water and create a product right in the middle of it. Did you catch that? They're doing this with printing type things, but you can actually take it to have a solution and have the particles in there, and you can make it like a car in the midst of this water because you can cause those particles to go where they're supposed to do if you know the frequencies of the particles, and you can cause them to be exactly placed so that the, the car comes together and is folded, and these things bond together. Understand? You can make things in that water. That science that they're doing is a lower class science than what Jesus did here or in the creation what he's doing here. It's the law of science that the Spirit of God, his words, hovers over the the face of the water. And out of that, he created the earth. What is the earth? All the works of man. The purpose of the earth is to bring forth the seed and the fruit. So it means it's to come forth and bring forth the product. You can get what you desire if you follow the way of the Lord and his words then what you desire will be done for you. This is why these things can occur, like the healings and so on. You follow the way of the Lord, it's going to occur as you desire it. But only if your heart is pure and your intent is good works for the flesh and for the works of the kingdom of God that are coming. I'm not talking about your flesh like earthly flesh. I'm talking about Jesus said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And I've explained what the word flesh means. Flesh is the, the whole generations of mankind until the, the time of the end. We are to work towards that goal. We weren't to kill each other. We weren't to do any of those things. We're to do good for others. And that's why Paul says in his last days in, in uh, Hebrews ten twenty four and 25, we're to gather together and stir up love and good works for one another. Jesus said in John fourteen twenty three twenty four, you don't love me if you don't hear my words. If you don't love God, you think you love God, and he says, no, you don't. When my words are open, and Father calls them to be open, and it tells us in Hebrews 10, uh, 26 to 27, and you're saying, oh, these words are just something else. They're not so special that I'm going to be like the Queen of Sheba and go wherever it takes to learn the knowledge of these words. If you don't have that kind of desire, you don't love God. If you, know, if you can't come, it's one thing. But the men of Nineveh, they fasted and prayed. 
and God answered their prayers. Jesus tells us in Psalms, or Proverbs 123, it's very clear there that in Proverbs 120 to 23, he's telling you wisdom's always calling out her words and nobody will listen. They're foolish. He says they're naive. That's what he says in those verses. And then in verse 23, he says, but if you will turn to me, I will pour out my spirit upon you and I will cause you to know my words. There will be a time when God is going to cause us to know his words because when he seals us up, after Revelation 8, when that event happens at the end, where he throws the censor to the earth, that's when that sealing judgment has occurred. That's when you know these people are going to be destroyed or they're going to be um, saved. And when he does that, with that censor, that's when he seals up his people and gives them that heart of flesh they're looking for. He takes away the stony heart. Stony. Sower. What's that stony sow? When the sower is sowing and he says stony, what's it mean? They got too many doctrines. It's just like the parable of the Great Supper. They got, they're got they buying all kinds of doctrines, but they're not buying the one that matters. They think, oh, this is just another way to heaven. They're searching for all kinds of different ways because they really, really only want to make money. They only want to be raised up in position. They're not looking to teach the word freely. You know, God will take care of you. The people will be wise enough to take care of you if they're wise. If they're not wise, they won't take care of you. But the fact of it is, is if you're seeking that, you're not going in the right direction and you want the riches of the world more than anything. And even if you had to live in poverty and be you know, be ashamed to the world, but you have his words, you have the richest thing you could ever have. And people don't want to believe that. Okay, now I've explained to you some basics here, but you have to understand, you, you could... You could have, for example, you could make a machine with with the, the, the element table above it, for example. Why is that important? There, there's reasons how you could do this. I'm not going to go into all those things, but I can tell you this. When you recognize that God has control of all the particles, God has control over all the particles. He's numbered them all. He's put laws in them that, that are above man's laws. It doesn't take frequency and energy to cause them to go there. That's because they don't have the words of God. But they will have no authority to use frequency and energy when there's silence in heaven. The only way those are allowing to be done is because they're on the verge or edge of the technology of God doing it for evil. But, you know, God is allowing it for the testimony that particles can be moved by frequency. But when that judgment of the separation judgment comes and God says in John 9, 4, 5, no man will work. That means their technology will not work. But God's words will. They never fail. They, the earth and Heaven and earth can pass away, but his words will never fail. That's God's law. Therefore, his words will work. So if you use his words and you honor him in what you build, you can cause those particles, just like Jesus looked up to heaven and went in a basket, and the basket was filled with the food to feed all the people. All right. You can you can also use this honoring of the of the elements under God, and if you put something through there, for example, let's say bread, because God controls all the elements, and you need a certain amount for certain people, it'll come out that way. Now I'm not going to tell you how to do this, but I'm just giving you the basic of the law of God, that that law is over top all of theirs. Did you have to have a supply? No. Because the particles, the earth itself, has everything you need to do the work of bringing forth the kingdom on earth. Did you catch that? God's law is the Lord's prayer. Pray that his kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. 
if you're wanting the kingdom to come and his kingdom is in his words, he says his words within you. Isaiah 51, 16 says he put his words in you from the beginning. But they're like fish swimming around in there and we haven't caught them yet. So when, that's why the whole purpose of John uh, 21 there uh, is when he's telling you about the great fish. And it's 22. Uh, he's telling you about the, the, the 153 great fish. And he just says, take a few of those fish and go feed my people. Well, he never feeds the people anything but his word. So he's showing you that the 153, there's 153 basic words. And then that was on one side of the boat they caught that. Did you catch that? So there's four sides of the firmament. Four walls of the firmament. God talks about his walls, his mountain, and so on. So you know that that's multiplied by four. So you can begin to understand the greatness of his words. You read the testimony of Numbers, you'll see that the numbers also of the Bible testify of it. Well, I've taken you through quite a few things here, but I believe what you're seeing, and I pray that you understand, is that the earth is a special living thing that has a purpose. There was no pre-existing earth. God had a complete plan for this earth. It included us. We were woven in the earth before the sixth day of creation. We were, from the beginning was earth. The dry land he called earth. What is the dry land? It's the particles. We are of that earth. When God says he's going to judge all the earth, it means he's going to judge all the people as well. Because we're symbolic of that. Those are the dry land. And those are the seas of the earth. They're going to be judged. The ones that are of the harlot and don't come out the dry land, don't come up to his mountain. He tells us this time, come up to his mountain. What's he talking about? Come to the knowledge of his words. His words are in the firmament. In other words, the firmament has his words in him. They're to judge us, to be the signs and the times for us. And all the works of the stars and the sun and moon are also testifying to it. He says in Romans 20, all the creation testifies to his words, his Godhead, and that means his power. His authority over all things. Jesus said he will give us authority to call upon his word. Those to whom the word come, they become like a son of God. Can Satan, who is not a God, can any of those that are not a God overcome a son of God? Not because they have his words, they cannot overcome him. You don't say to Satan and test him. Or, or in, um, you know, when you do that kind of thing, when you insult Satan and so on, the problem with that is you're insulting the words of God. The Lord allowed him to be there to test us. He has authority to do what he has till the pertinent part of time. You have authority to have him re- removed at this time, removed his kingdom at this time. That is allowed. God says he's allowed to test the people for the entirety of the day of the Lord. You're not going to get rid of him right now. He's on the earth and they're going to do that, but you can take control and overcome all his kingdoms which is what happens in Revelation 15. He tells us that we overcome this. See, the beast kingdom that's on earth right now is more powerful than the Antichrist kingdom that will come later. He tells you in Daniel 7, 11 to 12, that we are in the time of the beast kingdom that he's got to rise up and overthrow because it's so powerful. It's more powerful than that Antichrist kingdom. Even though the Antichrist can be filled with the devil himself, and he's going to be very powerful. This one's the most evil. They want to kill all the people on earth. The Antichrist, at that time, gathers the armies and has them fight with him against the Lord. They're convinced they can follow him and win the victory. This kingdom doesn't care about anybody. They want to kill the people and own the thing for their own luxury. They just want to have their own nobility and everybody else being bonded slaves. And They want to get rid of the people if they can and, and make robots. It's very obvious what they're doing. 
And so you see that that's what it's being said. And the Lord tells you that if you listen to Matthew 24, uh, 21, 22, and Mark 13, um, 19 to 20, that they want to kill almost all flesh on earth. That's what they're going to do. And all flesh, when God says all flesh, it means they're going to get rid of everything to do with God. Every Christian and everything. They're getting rid of all that. All the works that's been done in the past to bring forth this kingdom. They want to get rid of that too because that's part of the work of flesh. The work of flesh, you do the way of the words of God and it will be uh, worked out. I mean, it'll bring, benefit the seeds to come. For example, in Deuteronomy eleven eighteen to 21, he tells us if you teach the words of God in your household every night, then those children that you're teaching to will have years added on to their lives. Not yours, theirs. God takes care of you. But you're doing the way of the words to plant the, the benefit of the future and to grow the seed. There's no shortage of anything on the earth because God made everybody from the beginning, planned everybody, and we've killed them. We've aborting. We have, uh, you know, this one child policy that the Bush and Kissinger and them put on China uh, as part of their financing deals with them over the last 50, 60, 70 years. What a horrible thing that is. And now you're seeing it in other places. They're doing the, wanting to do the same thing. They did it in the time of Egypt, and God overthrew them and brought them out of that. And he destroyed the people of Egypt. Well, God's going to do the same thing to this fifth beast kingdom. He's going to destroy it. Because that's not of God. It's not of the law, the word flesh. And I have a writing out uh, called flesh, and it explains that in much greater detail. Well, I'm going to end here. I believe I've given you some thought about the creation story that's different than what you've seen. But also, I want you to understand that we are in the time of the night, and God is calling us to come to the dry land, separate ourselves from the, uh, from the world. And God says that there's going to be Goshens in this time. And he also tells us in uh, um, Joel 2, 3 and Ezekiel 36, 35, that he has prepared uh, the likeness of the Garden of Eden to be before us. We'll be able to call forth fruit and feed uh, everything. I mean, it, we're going to have a glorious life for those who will set themselves apart from the world and decide to become sons of God and, and bring his kingdom on earth. Because that's, it, this is the appointed time, as you read Daniel uh, 7, 9 to 14, you see that during the time when he overthrows this fifties kingdom and the other ones are left still having to, to receive their dominion. They haven't got it yet. But in between that time, he says right there that he's going to put the Lord's kingdom on earth, which is happening right now. And he tells you that in Revelation 17, if you read it 9 to 14, he tells you the fifth, five kingdoms have been destroyed and the sixth has not yet got its dominion yet, meaning there's a gap of time when the Lord's kingdom reigns on the earth so that his people uh, can be uh, uh, refined, purified, made white and refined, Daniel 12, 9 and 10. And the other ones are going to be receiving the punishments of the plagues that's been promised for all these years. During that same time, they're being refined. So that is what's going on right now in this thing. I hope this has helped you with the, the knowledge of the word earth a little bit more explaining. If you read the writing uh, called earth uh, done on November 20th, 2014, you'll get a lot more information about the word earth and the ways of doing the word earth and you'll, you'll understand more. I just wanted to give you this audio to kind of help you with that. Now let's pray. Father, we thank you for the right to come before you, Lord, with all these people. And we pray, Lord, for each one that they would hear your word, Lord, and, and be able, dear Lord, to begin to seek out the knowledge of truth. Lord, I pray that they begin to put the puzzles of the Bible together. That's very clear, Lord. You said all the scriptures are there for the good of the teaching of man. 
And, Lord, they, they bring them into the knowledge of good. And we ask you, Lord, to bless them. We ask you, Lord, to cause them to come to the knowledge of truth. We ask, Lord, that they would believe uh, Proverbs one twenty three that says, If they will turn to you, that you will pour out your spirit upon them. You'll cause their words to be made, your words to be made known to them. And by your words, Lord, you said in John fifteen seven, if they would follow and abide in your abide in the way you walked, uh, dear Lord, and abide in, the, in your words. In other words, do the way your words and do the works that you did, the examples that you've given us. Then what we desire be done for us. And in First John five fourteen to fifteen, you tell us that we must do that also in the way of the will of God. But if we know His words, we know the will of God. So we pray, Lord, that you'd help them to come to the knowledge of truth. We pray, Lord, you'd set them apart. And pray, Lord, that you'd bless them greatly. If they will do that, Lord, and give them the strength and courage to not be afraid of the world. But, Lord, to set themselves apart from the world and trust in you entirely. Because, Lord, that's all they're going to have very shortly because no man is going to work. You've promised that. People don't want to believe that. But it's going to happen. Lord, we thank you because your word is true. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.